enough to be worthy of such acceptance and love and value. So we pretend or we work hard to become these things because we want to gain or win significance, value, love, and acceptance. People are working hard to lose weight, to get fit, to join a gym, to become more beautiful through cosmetic surgery and how much money is spent on cosmetic surgery and Botox has gone through the roof in recent years. And what is the deep-seated motive and reason that people desire and long to look more beautiful or more young or more perfect or more what they are not already? Some work hard and become workaholics thinking this will give them the meaning and significance that they long for to help them become more respected, more valued, and more accepted. Some try to get as many academic qualifications as possible. And again, not a, not, many of these things are not bad in and of themselves, but when we look at the deep-seated motives, they can lead, leave us empty. Because if the motive is to find love and acceptance, then these things do leave us feeling empty and um, unfulfilled. So these needs that we all have, the common universal human needs for love, for acceptance, for attention. Look at a baby. They love attention, don't they? They're born with that desire for attention, for approval, for significance. They are actually very real, and actually they're very essential to our well-being. Uh, one form of neglect is called failure to thrive. And it's due to the lack of this kind of attention and love, a failure to thrive. Many people today have a spiritual failure to thrive. A spiritual drought, a spiritual need that is not met. In fact, it is essential to our souls are as water, as food, as air, as sunlight, as sleep is to the physical human body. And in order to meet these needs, we've got three responses. The first response is the inactive. If anyone doesn't have a sheet, a worksheet with some blanks, just put your hand up, please, and we've got a team here. So if you don't have a worksheet and would like one, just put your hand up nice and high. And so there's one person at the back there, um, another person. Just keep your hand up. I think somebody from the host team, there we go, are going around with them just now. So the first blank on your sheet inactive. This means just ignoring the needs that your soul has for love, significance, value, and acceptance. You're aware of certain needs that you have and something is wrong in your life, but you just do your best to ignore those needs and hope that they will go away. You can convince yourself you can be happy and successful without these things, without love and acceptance, attention, approval, and significance. But what happens eventually, however, if we just ignore these basic human needs that we have, what the end result is brokenness, emptiness, and loneliness, and unfulfillment. And they then lead on to the next response to these needs, which is number two, blank on your sheet, reactive reactive. Now, this is when you meet those needs in unhealthy ways. It's a typical looking for love in all the wrong places. You may not be aware of those needs, but you feel incomplete. You feel lacking. You may have everything in your life. You may have, you know, you may be rich in the world sense, 
but you know that there is something missing and you feel empty, dissatisfied, restless, bored, unhappy, and unfulfilled. There's a restlessness of the human soul. There's a restlessness in the human heart. And this is what Augustine said. He said, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Augustine, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. So all sorts, the reactive response involves all sorts of unhealthy behaviors, but none of them fulfill the soul's longing to be accepted and loved and known. This response involves instant gratification, pleasure, and escape, and there's many unhealthy side effects. And people who live reactive to their soul needs over time usually have a string of broken or unhealthy relationships. The third human response to these needs is the proactive. Third blank on your sheet, proactive. This approach to meeting your soul's needs is, first of all, self-awareness. It's self-awareness. It's being aware of how important and powerful these needs actually are. You can't ignore them and they will just go away. They're there. They're present. They're needed. And we therefore need to um, get a healthy strategy and rhythm and lifestyle to meet those needs. We could say we need to stop eating fast food and stop, um, spiritually speaking, and begin to start eating healthy and to start planning our meals. Now, one of the basic ways to do this is to get a healthy identity. One of the most essential things you need to have rest is a healthy identity. And we're going to look at that over a number of weeks. And the first thing to receiving a healthy identity is to have the power of love. To know one thing, you are loved. You can't have a healthy identity until you know you are loved. Many people are still, don't believe that, haven't had that uh, complete revelation. Um, now, only a deep understanding, ongoing experience, and acceptance of love constantly saturating your soul can actually satisfy the longing of your souls. The longing of our souls is satisfied by Him, by love, by the power of His love. As Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. Did anyone see this episode of Bear Grylls trying to get some honey? Oh, it was crazy. He's wild. He went up to a live bee nest and chopped it off with his big knife and got a really bad sting and his eye was swollen up and couldn't see it. He is the man. Psalm 19 verse 10 says that truth of God's word is sweeter than honey. The truth of God's word is sweeter than honey. Now, I want to imagine for a second that you've never tasted honey before and a friend comes to you and they begin to describe the taste and they tell you their experience of honey. So you choose to buy a book about honey and you decide to study all the intricacies of how honey is made. Your friends send you a Snapchat eating honey. 
They send you Facebook posts. They're posting all the time on holiday in the sun. They've got honey. Here, honey, look at this. This honey's amazing. And they're posting and they're boasting all over their, their Facebook feed. You book into college because you're so intrigued and you get a four-week course to learn how marvelous honey is. But you've never still not tasted honey. I want to ask you a question. Would it be possible to delight in honey that way? Would it be possible to delight, desire, and be satisfied by honey by that approach of mental knowledge? Could you actually fall in love with honey in that way? Could you become married to the honey brand in this way? Would you have a strong desire and craving for honey if you knew all about it in the head, yet you had still never tasted or experienced the honey? Could you fall in love with honey with ever, without having ever tasted it? Well, from the above, it's possible to get very good knowledge of the sweetness and the goodness of honey. But that knowledge is very different from experiential personal knowledge. You have somebody else's knowledge, but not your own experience, not your own encounter, not your own revelation, if you like, which is an unveiling of a mystery made known and clear, an unveiling of a mystery made known and clear to yourself. You see, that kind of knowledge is very different from the type of knowledge once you have tasted the honey sweetness. And once you've fallen in love with the taste, because you wake up this morning, the next morning, you put the, the bread in the toaster, and what does your mind think of? Honey. The experiential knowledge, you see, has now been felt in the senses. It's moved from someone else's experience to yours. It's been felt in your senses. It's been experienced in your emotions. It's transmitted to the pleasure centers of your brain and has truly become a personal, delightful experience. Well, Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 38 verse 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, many people have a knowledge of God just like that of the honey discussed above. They have heard about his goodness. They have heard about his love. Some may have a, uh, a lot of knowledge of Bible verses. Some may have memorized Bible verses of God's goodness and love. Some have read long books about God's love. Many have gone on courses about God's love and his goodness. And some have heard stories and testimonies of others on Snapchat, Facebook about how good God is and how good his love is. But that person has still not tasted the honey with their own taste buds. They've not tasted it for themselves. Some have gone on degrees and got a, a degree and even a PhD in theology, and yet it's still possible to do all that and know the Bible inside out and not to know God. What did Jesus say? Away from me, I never knew you, to those who were even doing miracles in his name. You see, they've not experienced God's love personally, experientially for themselves. And that is how we get very hard Christians, hard-hearted and bitter and unforgiving Christians. And that's why the statistics for Christians and non-Christians are exactly the same in terms of divorce, in terms of jail, in terms of crime. The, the statistics, generally speaking, because we have a lot of Christians, nominal Christians, that have the knowledge 
of God in their heads, but not the true knowledge of God in their hearts. You see, trying to experience God's love through knowledge and the mind and intellect and the brain is like trying to describe the taste of chocolate to a baby. The baby cannot understand the full vocabulary of the taste because they have such limited capacity. And our knowledge is like, compared to God's, is like taking a thimble and filling it with seawater. We have a thimble full of seawater, but the thimble is not full of the sea. Let's look at this video of a baby tasting chocolate for the very first time. Thank you. What's going on here, Mary? This is Amelia's first time having chocolate. All right, no more till your first birthday. Last bite, that's it. taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't know if you noticed that the mouth got wider as the approach of the chocolate uh, progressed the second and third time. The desire for the chocolate increased and the pleasure from that chocolate really began to sink in. Now 19th century theologian Charles Hodge said this, if we could have that PowerPoint back on. It's on your sheets anyway. He said this about the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, not the head knowledge, but the true knowledge, is not the apprehension or understanding, it's not the apprehension of what he is simply by the intellect, but also involves the corresponding feeling of adoration, delight, desire, and contentment. So think of that baby eating the chocolate, okay? This is saying that our knowledge of God and Jesus must move from the head to the heart. The knowledge of his love must be personally experienced. And it's one of my great desires and concerns for the church today is that we have moved from a church that's got knowledge coming out of his ears. There's so much knowledge available. There's so much sermons, so many podcasts, so many things. And people are getting filled up with knowledge, but not the true knowledge of him. Because knowledge of him must be personally experienced. His goodness must be tasted and not just learned. It must be more in the heart than the head. And it's only once God's love is personally experienced by the power of the Holy Spirit that do we begin to feel ourselves, in the words of Hodge, the corresponding adoration, delight, desire, and contentment. 
So it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that God's love is made known to us because it surpasses knowledge. It's too great for the mind to fathom or get a hold of or grasp hold of. 1 John 14, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. I want to ask you, what's your level of adoration in him? What's your uh, level of delight in him? What's your measure of desire for him and the things of him? And what's your measure of contentment in him? Because if it's low, your experience of his love is low. Maybe it was once great, but maybe you've let it slip. Because it's as our experience of him, because it says we love because he first loved. And that's why we must not lose our first love. Because when we lose his love, we become hard and bitter and the storms of life. And we lose the corresponding adoration, delight, desire, and contentment. You see, it's when we taste the sweetness of the honey that we begin to desire and delight in the honey. And it's not until you taste the sweetness of his love and goodness. We have to taste the sweetness of his love and his goodness personally and continue to taste it regularly and frequently and daily and multiply times per day and become aware of the presence of the loving Father who is by our side as we wash the dishes as Lawrence, uh, Brother Lawrence taught in his book, uh, Practicing the Awareness of His Presence, something like that. It's becoming aware of the presence of divine love that is with me in the menial day-to-day tasks of life not just a one-off experience. 10 years ago, I remember when I, his love was so great for me. Oh, I remember when I was drowned in his love. It's something that I am convicted by, that I need in my life, that we need in our life. We're never going to have a strong and healthy identity until we know by the power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis and multiply times a day that I am loved. I am loved. That Emmanuel, God with us. God is love. God is love. Love is with us. Love is with me. And so I don't need to panic and I don't need to freak out because God loves me and God is good and he is transcendent and above all, but he's in all. He's imminent. He's above all and in all. He knows all things and he knows me. He knows the beginning and the end and he knows how many hairs or lack thereof are upon the head. But we must fall in love with him, desire him, and desire to please him from the heart, a transformed heart, a regenerated heart, a renewed heart, a heart that received the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, a heart that is born again, a heart that is renewed by God. And how do we become born again? How can a man enter his mother's womb to be born a second time, Nicodemus asked And we are talking about spiritual rebirth, spiritually being uh, reborn, transformed by the power of God into a new creation. Ephesians 3, 16 and 19. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19 says that according, Paul is praying for the Ephesians and he's praying for you. And this is my prayer for you today as we're going to give you opportunity in a short while to 
allow the Holy Spirit to touch you. Maybe some of you for the very first time actually experience the love of God. I don't want to just talk about honey. I want to give you the opportunity to taste the honey today, to taste the goodness of God, to taste his love today by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul prays in my prayer for you that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in what? Love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now in verse 16, Paul prays that you may be strengthened with power. How would they become strong with power? How do you become strong with power? It's through the Holy Spirit in their inner being. And you cannot be strong. You cannot have a healthy identity without a relationship of the Holy Spirit and His power of the Holy Spirit in your inner being. And that inner being is the spiritual part of man where God dwells. Blank on your sheet, God dwells. The inner being is where God dwells and works. That's where God has to be. He can't be on the outside. He has to be on the inside. And that's what happens in regeneration. When we're born again, God, we become the new temple. We become the place, the divine place where the divine presence resides. We become the, the most holy place, moves to the human heart. It moves from a tabernacle in one location to the heart of every single person who believes all across the world, multiple times, millions of times across the world, his presence now resides in us. And in Paul's prayer, we learn that in order to have Christ dwelling in your heart by faith, you need the Holy Spirit's power dwelling inside you. In verse 17, here Paul prays that Christ, by his Spirit, would dwell in your hearts. He prays that Christ is dwelling, and that dwelling means to settle down and feel at home. He wants to settle down and feel at home. And Paul is praying that you would have a deeper experience and not just a surface relationship. Paul wants you to have a deeper experience. I don't care if you're the hardest man from Kelty or the most fragile little flower from Kelty, or from Balingray, or from Dunfermline, or from Tamhill, or from Resyth, or from Nigeria, or from Australia, or wherever you're from, we all need the power of His love. You see, it's hard for God, it's hard for someone to settle in a house that's overcrowded. It's hard to settle in an overcrowded house. And a home that is overcrowded, it is filled with love for idols. Now, idolatry is basically setting the heart on something other or besides God. It's setting the heart on something other than God. It is setting your heart on something that you feel that you must have in order to be happy. If you don't have that thing, you're not going to be happy. And it's more important to your heart than God himself. Blank on your sheet, important. It's more important... To your heart than God himself. This is what Archbishop William Temple once said. Your religion is what you do with your solitude. Your religion is what you do with your solitude. In other words, the true God of your heart is what your thoughts effortlessly go to. 
when there's nothing else demanding your attention? When there's nothing demanding your attention, what do your thoughts effortlessly go to by default, periodically? What do you enjoy daydreaming about? What is it that occupies your mind when you have nothing else to think about? What do you habitually think about to get joy and comfort in the privacy of your heart? There is what idolatry is. And Paul prays that God would dwell in your heart. He would feel at home and be the one true love of your heart. But we love because he loved us first. Now, verse 17, Paul prays that we would be rooted in love. And I'm bringing, I'm, I'm getting closer to actually praying about this. But this is a picture from the plant world. And trees need deep roots in the soil for two things. And you need roots deep in the soil for two things. Number one, nourishment. Number two, stability. And that's all about identity. For you to have nourishment, you need deep roots, and you need stability. You need deep roots for stability. And what is the soil that our, most, our roots must be deep in for nourishment and for stability? The soil is the love of God. This blank on sheet. The soil is the love of God, and a Christian must have her roots, her and his roots, deep in the love of God for nourishment and stability. That's where your roots need to be, in the love of God. And many get lost and they lose their first love and the roots end up in knowledge and end up in um, their ministry and they end up roots being in serving and finding their fulfillment. and find. But once our roots move away from being deep in the soil of his love and his love is the priority, the greatest commandment to love him and to, to be in a loving relationship with him, then it's impossible to love our neighbor. So as our roots come out of the love being the priority, our love for neighbor goes down. It's easier to get um, uh, offended. It's easier to, to harbor unforgiveness. Psalm 1 verse 3, describing the person who meditates and who has their life deep in the soil of his love. It says, they are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit in season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Wow, what a powerful verse. Are you bearing fruit? You see, fruit doesn't need work. Fruit is a natural product of living in the soil of nourishment and stability. Fruit is a natural growth. It happens. The tree doesn't worry about producing fruit. It happens. Are your leaves withering? Because it says their leaves never wither. Are your external products of your life withering, becoming dry, becoming dried up, not becoming as flexible, becoming uh, uh, easily broken rather than the fleshy, healthy, connected to the vine. I am the vine. He that remains me and I in him will bear much fruit. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8, and you can read the full verses, but it says, it's verse 7, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their confidence and hope. What are they like? They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Water symbolizes the Holy Spirit and his love. And such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried. So bothered and worried. How bothered are you? How easily bothered? When we get out of the soil of his love, we get bothered. We become bothersome and we bother others. We do. 
We do. We just take it out on others. We're easily bothered, and we bother others easily. It says, but they're not bothered by the heat. See, there's heat coming, and you're going to be heat and pressure in this life. Jesus said, in this life, you shall have trouble. So the heat is coming, but how bothered are you going to be? Well, you see, when you're rooted and established in, in his love and grounded in his love, we become not so easily bothered because we're aware of his goodness. We're aware the battle belongs to the Lord and not to me. And we're aware that he is in control. So if I'm not in control, it's no big deal. So it's okay when things are out of control because I don't have to be in control. And that is what gets to you. That is what's getting to you because you're not in control of certain situations. And you have to be in control because you are controlling. No one's ever told you. Your wife's too scared. Your husband's too scared to say you're controlling. You're controlling. But we all have a controlling area in us when we like to be in control. But when you're rooted and established in love, it doesn't matter if you're out of control. So Paul prays that they, it says they're not bothered by heat or worried or worried. What's the solution for worry? Oh my goodness, there's so much reason to be worried. What is the solution? Rooted and grounded in love. Not, not uh, bothered or worried. Their leaves stay green. They never stop producing fruit. So Paul prays that they would be rooted in love in order for nourishment and stability. He also says grounded in love, which is an architectural uh, picture, metaphor, if you like, gr- rooted and grounded. And you cannot build high unless you, you cannot, uh, sorry, if you don't go deep, you cannot go high. If you, if you do not go deep, you cannot go high. There's the architecture. You need to speak to your shirt to say if that's uh, true or nonsense or, or not. I'm no, I'm no, I'm no um, architect. But the bottom line is you need foundations. You need foundations to go high. And we must be rooted and grounded in love. What does Scroggy say? Love is the soil in which your life must have its roots and the rock upon which our faith must ever rest. And Paul prays in verse 18 that you may have strength to comprehend what is the breadth and height and depth and length and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. And Paul's praying that we would lay hold, that comprehend on your sheet, lay hold, lay hold of God's immeasurable love. He wants us to lay hold of the love of God, to fully grasp his love. And like honey, it must be tasted to fully know it. Romans 5 verse 5 says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In verse 19, Paul reveals that once you've experienced the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, then you will be filled with all the goodness of God. See, we want to be filled with all the goodness of God, but first we must know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. If you want to be filled with the goodness of God, first know, then you will be filled with all the fullness of God. So we must know that you're loved. You must know that you're loved. But it must go from the head to the heart. We must know experience, experientially. We must experience the love of God by the power of His Holy Spirit. We must experience it regularly. I want to ask you, have you ever experienced the loving of a heavenly father? Have you ever personally experienced the love? Because I want to give you that opportunity now, and I'm going to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to do that. You see, romantic human love has to be experienced to be understood. And so how can the love of God 
be understood before it's experienced. You don't have to understand everything about the love of God before you experience it. You don't need to learn about it. In fact, you don't even need to know any verses about it. You could know one or two. You, know, you need to know some truth. But when you open yourself and say, Father, I want to know you personally. I want to know you as a good, good, loving Father. I want to taste the honey. And as I say, you're a hard man or a fragile flower. You need the love of God. You need the love of a heavenly Father. I want to, and, and I'm appealing to you today. Don't say this is not for you. No, don't say this is for the weak. It's for everybody. Because there's a father wound inside each and every one of us. Even if you've had the perfect human father, there's no such thing as a perfect human father. But as perfect as could be, there's still, it's not enough to fulfill your true needs. And you see the unhealthy habits, reactive habits that we have is because of a wound and a longing and a need that only God himself can fill. So I'm going to invite us to stand to our feet. Let's stand now. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. And I'm going to play the Father's love letter over you. And my prayer is that as this is praying, I want you to hear. But you see, this is not just words. This is the Word of God. And I want you to hear the Word of God is a rima now word. It's as if the Father in heaven is speaking to you directly to your heart. So I want you to forget about your lunch. Forget about your duties and responsibilities. Forget about the things that you have to do right now. And see this as the most important thing. Because my prayer that with Paul, you may have the power to understand, as all God's people, how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep is his love. And may you experience that love of Christ that is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made to uh, uh, complete with all the fullness and power that comes from God. So Heavenly Father, I would just ask you to do something like this. And it's just, it's just to put your hands like this, both hands like this. And you may feel awkward. You may have never done that before. You may feel quite vulnerable, but that's what you're doing. You're making yourself vulnerable to God. And the, the first way to blessing is to say, God, I need you. It's to say, God, I need you. And if you don't need God, that's what blocks him because that's pride. And pride said, I don't need God. And that's what leads to inactive and reactive responses. But to be proactive now, proactive is to say, God, I need you. I need to be loved. So Heavenly Father, right now in this place, I ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit, that you would come by your Spirit, Lord, and you begin to touch each person here right now. This is how much you loved us, that you would send your only son to die on a cross. Lord, how difficult. I have got one son, well, two sons, one in heaven and one son alive. How difficult would it be to send him to a different place? Knowing the torture, knowing the, the, the shame, knowing the hatred, knowing the betrayal, knowing the agony that he would face. And yet, that's how much the Father loved you, that he would send his only son, Jesus Christ, to live a life of betrayal and hatred and rejection. And uh, he was, as you know, he was lashed 39 times with bone and marrow, and his flesh was ripped off his body, had the crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was mocked, he was spat upon, he was hit with sticks, he was ridiculed, he was made to carry his own cross to the top of the hill, and he embraced it, and he knew when he came, he accepted it such deep is the Father's love for us. How deep the Father's love for you. How vast 
beyond all measure that he should send his only son to make a wretch his treasure. And you're thinking, I'm a wretch. I'm not worthy of the love of God. You may feel like that woman that was, be, that was caught in adultery and was brought before Jesus and the law was saying, stone her, stone her, stone her. And what does grace, what does grace do? Grace says, does none of these men, did none of them condemn you? Then neither do I. Jesus looks at you and says, does no, did no, no, none, no, no one condemn you? Then neither do I. You have failed. You, have, you know that you've not lived the life completely right. You know they've done things wrong in your life. You know he's not been central in your life. And yet God accepts you and embraces you. And he welcomes you like the father of the prodigal son is looking over the hill for his son to return. And when his son returns, he doesn't lecture him and berate him and, and hit him and say, you fool, what an idiot. How could you have done such things. No, the father embraces him. He, he runs. He runs what you don't do. He put his arm around him. He kissed his neck and says, welcome home. My son who was lost is home. And that's the father's desire for you no matter what you've done. But then he said to the woman, go and leave your life of sin. So grace starts with acceptance and then it comes the challenge of to follow him and to turn and get rid of the idols and start loving him first. So father, by your Holy Spirit, come now. Come now, I pray. Come and reveal Lord, I pray that the experience of God would move from the head to the heart today. Holy Spirit, I pray, as Paul prayed, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would have the power by the Holy Spirit to understand, as all God's people should, how, high, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. Now, just receive just receive that. Let, let's just play that video, Robert, and then we're going to close in a prayer. And this is just the beginning. We're just literally just opening the can very gently to the, this morning. But it's, it's the start. It may be the start for you, but his love is deeper. It goes deeper. It's your, your experience of his love, you may think you've pretty much got his love sussed up. If you take a thimble and put it into the sea, the sea is a measure of God's love and the thimble is how much you've experienced. The sea is what you've yet to experience. So let just listen to this. And let the Father. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. 
I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad, almighty God.
thank you, Father. And Robert, just play that next video, please. Father, we thank you for your love. God, my prayer is that you would continue, Lord, throughout this week, Lord, as we open ourselves to be rooted and grounded in your love once again, Father. And my prayer, Lord, is that you've begun, Lord, maybe very gently to start revealing the love of the Father experientially to your children. And my prayer, Lord, as Paul prayed, Lord, that they would lay hold and fully grasp that love, Lord. So that's us finished, people. Thank you for this morning. If you want to receive prayer, just come down the front and I'll just ask maybe Alison and Michael and Hannah, you and Lara, just going to pray for a wee bit more of that Father's love. If you want to, if the Father started to touch you, just come down and we'll just pray a, a little bit more for, the, for that love to go deeper, to get a greater depth experience of that. And it's only going to just be a tiny wee thimble this morning. But it's so much deeper that he wants to take us into. If you've never experienced God, you're not even a Christian, just come and taste and see that the Lord is good. We want to pray for you to experience that love, to experience his goodness. And even if you're unsure if you believe or not, just come in and taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Just invite you just to come down now if you want a bit of prayer. Just come down. We're going to stay around and pray. The rest of us, that's it. The service finished and uh, the cafe's open. Please stay around, say hello. Um, but anybody wants to receive a bit more. And the rest of us, if we could just respect the fact that there are people getting prayed for. So obviously, not ask for a complete silence, but just uh, keep your kids under control <laughs> as much as kids are able. But uh, yeah, if you could maybe just hang out up the back, that's great. And we're just gonna, just gonna pray. Thank you, thank you for these brave people that are coming down. Any, anybody else would like to come? You and Lara, Michael, Hannah, let's pray, Father. Let your love go deeper. Just close your eyes. Thank you. Just close your eyes. Father, take your love deeper. Father, take your love deeper. How deep your love is, though.